Hey, hello. Mello. What's going on? Can you see? Oh, God. Mason just snuck in. Jesus Christ. Oh, Mason and Mello. Look at these two. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, small forward dilemma. It's usually a slugfest. <laughs> just throw down. Jesus. Can, can Mason hold his own against Mello? Uh, he's the bully, actually. Really? Yeah. You would think that this guy would be the bully, and he is, in fact, not. Two dogs are weird together, man. Like, I, uh, so my parents, like, got two dogs this year. It's the first time in my life I ever had two dogs, uh, you know, at my, at my folks' place. So growing up, I only ever had the one dog. And, uh, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird who can be the aggressor sometimes. It's like the one dog, Luke, is just, like, real lanky and, like, wild and just runs around and, like, throws his fucking, like, body everywhere just wants to play and everything like that and the other one maggie is like a little skittish but has some bite to her yeah so she'll just like he'll just be like fucking with her for a few and she'll like just be standing there taking it and then just like snip at the air and they do that four thousand times a day and then go to sleep yeah that's that's basically what i i didn't guess it would happen but normally the big dogs have like real big dogs like uh mellow they have the really calm demeanor like they're just trying to chill they just, they're not scared of things, you know? And all that ends up happening is Mello is either laying in bed silently doing nothing, or he's, like, just chewing out a toy by himself, minding his own business, or he'll be walking. And then Mason just follows behind him and just starts, like, gnawing at his ankles. Why? That's, yeah. That's Why? Just the, leave him alone. That's, that's the exact same thing that Luke will do to Maggie, and she'll just turn around and snip at him, and it'll be, yeah, it'll be strange. Since I'll probably end up leaving this whole conversation, and Kyle Maggio just got himself a new pup. Yep. Uh, this is a Palmelo Anthony. I dig it. I dig yeah. it. Yeah. So, you know, mellow for sure. But yeah. this is what it is. He's a, he's a good boy. Very you, good boy. Is there a, uh, a first name for Mason? or It's just, I mean, Anthony, Mason, in parentheses. Straight up. Just Mason. Straight up. All right. So. Well, that's if anyone had any question, that's Mr. Maggio here is the ultimate uh, ultimate Knicks fan and it extends down to his dog. And if you don't have dogs named after the Knicks, I don't I don't, I don't even know what you're doing. Are you even yeah, a fan? Yeah, it could could not be me. Couldn't be you. It's not I mean, it is me, but I have a <laughs> podcast, so fuck off. <laughs> and I have a mug for this podcast too. I got yeah. uh Quick, before we roll the uh, the music, I guess we can drop a quick T Public pu- uh, plug. Yep. I just got in the mail yesterday my official TKW podcast mug, and I drank my first cup of coffee out of it this morning. And good lord, that was the best tasting coffee I've ever had in my life. Hands Probably down. tasted way better. Made you grow like three or four inches. So hands down, yeah, yeah. Um, We're just in the so yeah, all all of our designs uh, can be purchased as mugs as well. Shout out to a uh, friend of the pod, one time guest Joseph Nardone, who is consistently rocking his uh, Goat New York mug. Big Joe Nardone guy. Yeah, big Joe Nardone guy. Shouts, man. And you know, so that's we got the the walking bucket mug is officially like looking great. Uh, we got the TKW mug looking great. So. If any other, anyone else can provide some testimonials on their great-looking TKW mugs, please. We we would like to know. Yeah. Um, and on that note, 
Welcome, everybody, to the TKW Podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm Kyle Maggio. And we just got finished watching the Knicks beat the Nets. I thought they were going to beat down the Nets. I was ready to turn that game off. Uh, you know, By the time the half came around, that was tweeting it. So good thing I didn't because then the, the Nets came back and the Knicks had won their classic uh, third quarter meltdowns. Yeah, um, it was especially... Scary when um, you consider the fact that we didn't have Timmy to start the game, obviously, and then KP. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure it really happened. It was just it looked like he was just taking a normal step. I didn't see any like like any real rolls or anything. He just just something must have gotten tweaked in there, and uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm. We should probably this should this is the thing that's on everybody's mind. This is probably the spot that we should start at. But uh, yeah, it, it's. It's one of those injuries that, like, it doesn't look bad, but you never freaking know because it's a non-contact knee injury. Uh, and it's just with the way that the NBA has evolved over the years, it's just those are just one of those injuries that you're just never going to uh, know the severity of until it comes out. So, And, you know, it, it sucks because we're already dealing with a an injury. You know, the second best player on this team is injured as well with an injury that we don't have very much clarity on either. Um, so if this ends up being something a little bit more severe for KP or ends up being something that's a little, um, you know, keeps him out for a period of time or an indefinite amount of time, like that's going to be pretty detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we all hope it's nothing. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's really anything to be concerned about. I I would hope not because he just kind of got up and kept it moving. I mean, he, Felt something tweak, whatever it was. You know, he just, I mean, he walked off under his own power. He just yeah. headed to the bench. You know, he called for someone to come in, and that was that. So I can't imagine it's that bad in that scenario. Maybe he just tweaked something. and um, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking, too, especially, like, you know, he, he didn't take a hit or anything like that, but you can see afterwards he was not uh, feeling quite all right. And then, you know, the, the part that, is really encouraging is that yeah he called the time out himself he like walked off he didn't look like he was like in a significant amount of pain he just kind of like pointed at his knee and was like yeah this is hurting me i need to come off um but then the only thing that started concerning me was then when uh clyde was saying that you know he went back with the trainer and the strength coach and he said that's usually for Something a little bit more serious, but you hope that's just a precautionary measure. And uh, yeah, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, we'll already uh, already know some more details about it. But for now, this is kind of this is kind of all we got, right? Yeah, I mean, and in all fairness, I love Clyde to death. I think I stand for him more than most. But sometimes Clyde just does not know what the fuck he's talking he about. He can be a reactionary. Yeah, I mean, and also for example, on this again, I enjoy. Clyde and his antics, so don't take this as like a negative criticism, anyone. But you know, even after uh, Frank hit a three, that was like I think that big three hit with like three minutes left, 
And he's like, ah, that's becoming Frank's signature shot. I was like, oh, yeah? Yeah, his signature shot is just hitting a wide open three? Is that what it is, Clyde? And then, he's, and then he tried to, like, save face, and he's like, he's like, uh, yeah, he hits uh, the big three with the game on the line. And I was like, okay, Clyde, I don't know where you're going with this, but whatever you say, have well, at it. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we just use this to talk about Frank then? Uh, is what did you think of his game tonight? What do you think of his play over the last couple of weeks? Is did he? Is he showing consistency out there? Is he showing like he's just trying to do a bunch of different things and maybe he's getting lucky on a couple of things? What's uh, what's sticking out for you? He's been a little bit more aggressive, but he's been more consistent as a whole. I think. I mean, he's been shooting. Better over. I saw a stat. I'm trying to pull it up now. I saw a stat over his last ten games that he's shooting like forty uh, some odd percent from from three over the last ten games or so. I mean, but more than that, I mean the the Lakers game was the best example. He was being you know mega aggressive, just uh, you know really looking to shoot, looking to score. I mean like pull ups, layups, things like that. Just it, it wasn't like the usual wait to be wide open that we got accustomed to seeing over the first 10 or 15 games. So there's that. I mean, but he's still, all that stuff we said from the beginning of the year, oh, you know, he's passing really well. He's uh, defending really well. Those are things he can always do, no matter if the offense is there or not. And that's held true, you know, even tonight. I think coming into the coming into the fourth quarter, you know, he had, um, I think he had two points before he scored his first bucket on that uh, that left-handed layup. And and uh, after that, I think he had you know three. He had another pull up. I think his foot might have been on the line for the second one. So you know he looked he looked for his shot in the fourth. He looked to be aggressive. You know, obviously there's no Timmy, there's no KP, so that's him sort of taking on an air of responsibility, which is another good thing you want to see. And, I mean, of course, he missed a couple of shots too. But the point was he was aggressive to try to close out the game and in the, and in the third quarter when things are sort of unraveling after he came back in he made you know a bunch of really good passes as well he had eight assists tonight so he just has a really well balanced game and now the offense really seems to be coming along and that's you know what we kind of hoped would happen and it's just very very encouraging i think he kind of likes being stuck in these situations i think he kind of enjoys when you know it kind of all comes down to him and it's a little chaotic and there's a lot of pressure on him i think he i think he thrives in those situations that you know you saw a shot comes come along i think he he's eager to prove himself in new york in a lot of different ways and i think you know this game uh you know the lakers game for a lot of ways like he has to get it he has to get it together in the sense that he needs to, to be he needs to figure out what he's going to consistently contribute every game and you know everything else that comes with it, whatever else he can put on the court is going to be a bonus. But he needs to get that. He still needs to get his core skill set down. You know, figure out if he's, you know, how good his defense is going to be. Figure out if he's going to be a shooter, if he's going to drive. Uh, you know, he's got to solidify his toolbox, I guess, a little bit more. But right now, it's encouraging because you can keep other teams guessing, and you can, and you know, he's just kind of like the wild card out there that can take over games. Um. But before we uh, move off of Frank, there's one thing I've been noticing, a little trend that I, I first picked up on uh, against the Lakers, is that you know Jared Jack came out really hot to start this game, uh, and he does that often, where he 
starts a game really well and then he disappears over time and then you saw him try to force some stuff in the third quarter and that did not go well. Mm. But Hornacek's been playing Frank and Jack next to each other uh, down the stretch of games, especially in the fourth quarter. What do you, do you see any... Have you seen anything from that that's looked promising? Do you think that's the way to go? Hornacek is a two-point guard kind of guy. Um, so is this the way to kind of get the most out of, uh, you know, Neil Kina and Jack while Hardaway's out? I mean, I certainly believe so. I mean, Jack's been playing at, for him, you know, a, a really good a really good rate these last, I mean, most of the season, really. So I, you want you want to take advantage of that as much as you can, and especially when guys are going to miss some time. You know, Timmy's out for two weeks now. You know, KP might be out for a little bit. Who knows? So, yeah, I mean, you got to try to take advantage and implement that when you can. And what I like is that he has two, and I don't want to compare Jared Jack in 20 games of Frank Neal Aquina to these two, but it's... So, and I think I've said this on the pod before. It's kind of what he wa- wanted to do with this team after leaving Phoenix because in Phoenix he had Dragic and he had uh, Eric Bledsoe. And the beauty of that is if you can get them to work together like he could in Phoenix, that could be a very successful thing for your team. And it's beautiful sometimes. They mesh well. But then you could also stagger them. And that's what we're kind of seeing is like, yeah, in spurts you could play them together. But at the same time, Frank is, as we've seen, through 25 games, I think we can confidently say, you know, he's more than capable of making real significant impact, you know, when he's the lone, you know, point guard, so to speak, when he's out there. And Jack kind of starts the games off hot, typically. I think, you know, today he was running and gunning with KP to start the game. So I, I think I, I like what Hornacek's doing with the point guards. I know we we can question everything else in the front court log jam, but I think he's got the point guard thing pretty situated especially um again another thing we've talked about on the pods before but letting frank close the games out you know that just builds confidence for a young guy it's gonna be huge for him especially like after thanksgiving now he he needs to start closing things out right and and that i don't know it's that's just it's it's good and it's impressive that frank's really like stepping up and uh yeah it's something to really be happy about And, and over his last 10 games for what it's worth, uh, I mean, he's shooting 38% from three. So I think it dropped from when I had first seen it. But 38% from three, he's averaging now eight points up from his 5.8 points on the season. He's shooting a little bit more. Um, I mean, nothing. It's coming along. It's, it's, it's again, it's, it's it's baby steps. But yeah. and that's fine. Any, any improvement is good improvement. You know? Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's what you should be hoping for. You know, the the whole thing is like when you have these players who come on so hot, so hot from the beginning of uh beginning of their career, and then you know they start fizzling out, or injuries become a concern, or something like that, or you know their their beginning play just wasn't quite indicative of what the kind of player they're going to be. When you have someone like Frank who is really taking time to develop and work on his game, and might be frustrated at times, it might just look bad at times uh you kind of almost want that because that's going to let you know kind of put him through the ropes a little bit it's going to let him actually learn things rather than just relying on something that uh you know may come and go so yeah i i think that the more incremental growth that we see out of frank the better and i'm excited to see what he looks like even you know in january or in february or you know i think a a month from now for he could uh, have solidified that game a little bit more like I was talking about and, you know, just kind of 
and, you know, incrementally pulling things together a little more and more. Yeah, I, again, I'm just, he's got a real good feel for the game. I think everybody with eyes can see it. He's got a lot of work to do, of course, but. He wants to prove himself. Like I was saying before, like that's the biggest thing. He looks hungry out there. He looks like he wants to, you know, prove everyone wrong who was laughing at him when he got drafted or, um, or you know, whatever it was or didn't believe in him or, you know, the fact that he's not looked at in the same class as these other rookies who he was drafted with. It's like. I think he wants to change the narrative around that, but I think he, he wants to make sure it's done in his way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I love his game. Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, I don't know what the ceiling is for him. I, I've been on record of saying if he's just a, a really good starter, I'm not saying an all-star, I'm not saying, you know, anything buck wild, but if he's just a really good start, I mean, think like George Hill kind of thing. Just a really good starter, a guy anybody would want to have on their team, that kind of player. That's fine. You know, as uh, when we had Jeff on the pod, you know, Nick's film school, he was talking about how, yeah, you don't need to keep hitting home runs with your draft picks when you have a guy like KP. Now you can start hitting some, like, singles and doubles. You just need some good, solid pieces around him. Guys are going right. to be just good, high-level players if, if they're not stars. And I think that's what he can be. It just... All signs kind of point to that eventually happening, and his development so far has been going kind of how we'd want it to go. So I'm excited. Yeah, and I'm on the same boat. I don't care about grouping him into superstar, megastar, you know, max player, uh, you know, anything like that. I just think that, you know, once he, because he's just such a, a project still in a lot of ways that he needs to develop his game and figure out exactly what he wants to be on the court. So, you know, like if he, he's probably going to end up becoming a player who's going to, you know, look to run an offense before anything, I think. He's, his assist numbers are always going to be more telling, I think. I don't think he's going to look to put up a bunch of buckets. I don't think he feels comfortable doing that. You, know, yeah. you, you look at throughout his entire career, overseas and everything, he's, he's never been a scorer. He's always been someone who can, uh, who can, you know, run the show a little bit more, get guys into the right position. And I think that's what he's focusing on. And he knows he can shoot from three. He just knows that he probably can't do it you know, eight times a game. Right. And that's and fine. Now, before we move off um, Frank entirely, I do want to touch base on the Lakers game because that game was incredibly fun and Frankie was incredibly aggressive in that game. So, so yeah, you give me what you liked from it. I really only caught it um, from the fourth quarter onward. So you're gonna have to give me what you it, saw over the. It whole was thing. it was just a fun back and forth game because I like I like to have a lot of fun on Twitter. If if you guys follow me, you should be at this point if you're at listening Maggio to us. At Maggio NBA. At Maggio NBA. Um, I like to make fun of Lonzo Ball. I like to make fun of Lonzo Ball not because I don't like him. I actually I am rooting for him to do well. I really do like Lonzo Ball, but the jokes present themselves. Like today when uh, NBA at TNT, they had a tweet. Uh, basically asking who had the better start to their career, LeBron James, who was averaging like 17, 8, and 7, or Lonzo Ball, who was averaging like 7, 6, and 8. And, I mean, I pissed myself laughing because it's like they they do these these reaches to, to make Lonzo look like he's the next LeBron or the next somebody. And I think Lonzo is going to be really, really good. I just don't think he's going to be a LeBron-level player because most everybody is not. And 
it made me laugh mostly because they're ignoring the guy in Philly who's averaging almost the exact same averages as LeBron was averaging his rookie year. They ignore, you know, uh, Ben Mark Simmons. Mark <laughs> no, 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 but Ben Simmons is averaging like 18 points, eight rebounds, like uh, seven, eight assists. Oh, I know. And He's on my fantasy for, team. For, it's... For, an ab- for an above 500 team. And then they ignore that for Lonzo. So I like to make fun of Lonzo just because it's sort of a troll. You know, like everybody loves him. There's way too much hype. And then he's off to a historically bad start to his season, uh, a shooting at least. So he's an easy target, but but alas. So he comes to the Garden, and as most folks do, they get up for those games. And he has a really good game. He has 17 points. He shoots over 50%. Um, I think he had like uh, seven or eight uh, of rebounds and assists, and he had uh, a mean chase down block. So LeBron's I mean, rookie year. Yeah, yeah, basically. It was, it was LeBron's rookie year all in that game. So NBA and TNT almost had it right. And you're seeing this, and you're like, wow, like Lonzo looks really good. And then Frankie comes in. And I'm not saying Frankie outplayed him because that would be false, but he played Sort of on the same level. He had 13 points, five rebounds, five assists. I think a steal or two. And he just looked aggressive. Like, he looked like he wanted to go at Lonzo. And and down the stretch that, is where it really mattered, right? Because when you right. when they went into overtime, Lonzo, Lonzo didn't score, if I remember correctly. No, I mean, Frankie put the clamps on him a little bit to close the game out. And going back to earlier in this pod, that's the beauty of letting Frank close the games out. You just let him figure it out. Whatever whatever it is, I think um I think Breen or Breen said it on the pod. No, it was um Bobby Marks on Twitter who just said he loves seeing Frankie close these games out, you know, because it's it's results over record. It's what you're seeing from Frank, you know, long term, game after game, what are the results of that over the record? And that was just a good example. You know, Frank, you know, uh, Lonzo was having a real good game. We couldn't really stop anybody that was a perimeter player for uh, the Lakers. And then Frankie comes in. It's a nice little test. Rookie on rookie. Lonzo's playing well, and you got to stop him. And, and they did. On that, and on that note, because I do want to transition to Courtney Lee here in a second, but think about, think about Frank at the end of this year. And think about, let's think about the 2019 season. Or the uh, the 2018-2019 season. Mm-hmm. And you still have Courtney Lee under books, and Frank has figured out how to use his how to use his length and how to use you know his defensive skills. And then you look at Frank Nielakina and Courtney Lee as your backcourt defense. You know, if Courtney Lee can hold it together for you know a little bit longer, no one's getting past that. You know, if you need a crunch time defensive lineup and you put out, you know, Frank Nielakina, Courtney Lee. Um, let's see, Lance Thomas, Porzingis, and I don't know, you could fill in the fifth there, but I don't know who's scoring on that. Yeah, that's the problem, too, is when you start to consider these kinds of things, it's how much longer does Courtney Lee really fit into this timetable before they try to move him, if they try to move him. And while it would be nice, of course, if he could keep it together, and this could turn into something potentially. I mean, maybe at least for this season we can enjoy it if they don't move him, but... I'm on you know, we'll Team see. Team Courtney right now. Yeah, and I... I'm on... I like, look. I'm, I'm with it until... Uh, until I think they should keep him through his contract, look, basically. Look, is what I'm saying. 
I'm of the mind to keep him at least through this season. And then you can make a decision in the summer if you need to. You, you know, see, you see where your needs are. You see who's available, of course. But. Yeah, like I, I really do enjoy Courtney Lee, and I really, I honest to God, do. I don't want to see him leave, but when he's, you know, I think he's thirty-three or thirty-two. I mean, he's just he's gonna as a as a perimeter player, he's just gonna keep getting older. I think you could get some good value for him. This is more than a quarter of a season that he's been playing at such a high level. I think this, I have not looked at this in the slightest. We might as well just transition to Courtney Lee now. I think this is his best statistical season. I have no nothing to go off of. Best eye test season, I'll give you that much. Thanks, Bill. All right. Hold on, I'm back. I'm back again. I'm back again. I went away for a little bit, but I'm back. All right. All right. He All right. is back again and again and again. Season high 27 for you, Courtney. You showed so much emotion down the stretch. Tell me why you wanted this win so badly tonight. Uh, these are games that we got to win. Uh, we let a couple slip away from us, and uh, we know that. And this, this is a start for something new, man. We won on the road, so this is huge for us. All right, well. I just pulled up his stats. This is the most points so far that he's averaged in his career. The highest before this was 2009 in New Jersey, where he averaged 12 and a half. So far, he's averaging 13.2. He's shooting a career best 44.4% from deep. Mm. Um, A career best from the free throw line at 93.6%. He's averaging a career best in rebounds. At 3.5, he's averaging a career high in assists at 2.8. Uh, he's averaging a career high in steals at 1.4. Um, and what about minutes? In minutes, he's playing uh, also a, oh, no, his career high in minutes was 33.5 that 2009 year. But this is the second most minutes he's ever played at 32.4. Okay. Um, and as a field goal percentage, this is his second best overall shooting gear okay. so so this is either all like very fluky and he can't maintain it over the amount of minutes he's playing because was he 33 yep um or something is just going right and he is being utilized the correct way i mean i'm sure so which, like yeah is it the combination which one is it I'm sure it's a little bit fluky but at the same time this isn't like he's averaging 18 points you know like he's averaging just over what his career averages are. One you know, more just, one more question here. What is how many shots a game is he getting up? Ten. Ooh. Ten. And that is that is not bad at all. No, and his uh he's done that three two other times. In two thousand and nine he averaged ten point nine field goal attempts a game. Two thousand eleven he was ten on the dot. And this year he's at ten point five. Now mind you I'm trying to see if this updated for tonight's game, right? Where that he's averaging 13 point right uh, to a game, but right, we're still kind of at that point in the season where one big game can make a difference in what your averages are. Actually, I think it is because they were 14 and 13 coming into this game, and they say it says here he played 28 games, so that makes sense that they'd be 15 and 13 now. Man, that so, sounds good to hear. Yeah, it it does, it does, it it's it's just enjoyable because. You know, I was when I was tweeting the clips out before, I kept saying, you know, who else but Courtney Lee? Because it seems like no matter who's in the game, who's out of the game, who's injured, who's not, who's on the floor, he just does the same stuff. He's like, uh, 
He's like compound for your wall. You know, whenever you got a, whenever you got a crack, <laughs> no, whenever you got a crack, you know, he just comes in and he just fills in whatever you need him to fill in. You need him to rebound a little bit. Fine. Whatever. He'll rebound a little bit. Even to be a playmaker. I know 2.8 assists doesn't scream playmaker, but he is, he has a lot of these hockey type assists, these swing passes. Cause he's always on the perimeter. He's a shooter. He catches the ball. Guys close down on him real hard and he keeps it moving. So, he, he does things just to keep the offense fluid. A lot of things don't show up in the box score, and a lot do, as evidenced by pretty much career numbers across the board here for him. So, uh, ah, God, I just love having him on this team. I'd really love to just keep him through a hopeful playoff push this year and then set him on his way, you know, someplace he can go win. That's what I'd like, but we'll see. Who is the electrical system of the house that is the Knicks? Uh, probably Michael Beasley because mm. although, although he can power you sometimes if you get too close. No, it can't do it, man. Electricity is way too reliable to be Michael Beasley. I I just had something for Beasley. Depend, depends on if you pay your bills, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, this is true. Beasley is like the circuit breaker of the house. More than the electricity. I think he. I think he's more. You know, everything is going smoothly as long as you keep him in check. But if you you let it run a little bit wild, and everything's going to shut down on you. That's fair. Um, uh, I, I would probably go if you're going to go electricity. I'd probably go Cantor, but mm. Cantor just comes in and then it's a double double. Like every game, he just comes in. And it's like twelve and twelve, twelve and twelve, one block one good assist in the post. Like, that's... He just does the same shit at a minimum every game. I think uh, that makes Joakim Noah the hole in the wall that you just kind of cover up with cardboard. Joakim Noah is that junk drawer that you never quite get rid of, but it's always there, and you know it's there. You don't know what's in it. You don't go in it. You leave it unbothered. But it's there. It's there. I think Ron Baker might be the cardboard. Anyway, I'm not going to rush it. Uh, I'm going to wait till you know I'm 100% mentally uh, ready to go. Uh, I mean, if I, I mean, if it was playoffs, you know, I would be out there right now. But you know, you got to go out there and you know do what's smart and what's best for you. The goal is just to you know to get better first. That's the goal, and I'm not giving myself no deadline because I don't want to get that get that uh get to that point and then be upset we've been at without tim hardaway jr for a couple of games now do you happen to have that in front of you how many uh how many games he's missed i believe it's the last four but let me check um yeah and we're not quite super clear still and seven I, oh he's missed seven games yeah well seven yeah. games total i think one or two of those came before this recent stretch Okay, seven games total. Yeah, 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 totally. So he's missed a chunk of games now, we'll just say. And he sounds like he doesn't even quite know what's wrong with him. He was saying today he knows it's a stress injury, but wasn't sure or didn't want to clarify on whether or not it was a stress fracture or if it was a stress, uh, you know, just a, um, what is that? Like a, is the other kind of stress injury it can be? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, he's not entirely sure of what it is. So the timetable makes it a little hard to um to recognize, but they're they're 
you know, the guys who are, are stepping up and filling out their roles around Tim Hardaway Jr. have seemed to be, you know, Courtney Lee, obviously, but he's kind of been doing that all season. You're also seeing a lot out of Lance Thomas, who's been eating up all the starts. And you didn't really see too much tonight against Brooklyn uh, until the very end when he came in with a very reliable three-pointer. Um, but, you know, before that, it was nothing but fouls. Um, and you're also seeing more play from Ron Baker, who showed great ball movement and, you know, the ability to shoot the three a couple of times tonight, as well as, like, weirdly some blocks and, like, tip-ins and stuff. Yeah, uh, And I, you're also seeing good play from McDermott. So, I mean, like, how how urgent is the return of Tim Hardaway Jr.? And how long can these guys really keep up the play that they're up to? Nah, I, th- I think it's urgent for sure. I just don't... I, I don't... I don't trust Ron Baker to do many things. I, I especially don't trust Ron Baker to continue to be a defensive stalwart. Like I do he, trust Ron Baker to deliver me some Papa John. So, yes, yes, um, and we're gonna move on rapidly, so I don't <laughs> I can get this image out of my head. But um, <laughs> but no, I mean Ron Baker is like all all that Ron Baker really is 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 a fine like standard defensive player. Like he's a good, capable defender, and like not a whole lot else. He can make a couple of good. He's got like a really basic playmaking ability. It's it's fine in spurts, but he's nothing over the top. Hey, that's not he's not going to play consistent minutes, and that's not gonna you're not going to see consistent play from him. So again, it, there, there is some sense of urgency if you're considering that this is a playoff team, you know, about a third into the season now, and if you have the intentions to be a playoff team. And I think at this point, you know, KP's shown to be like a real bona fide number one. I think he could handle a playoff run. I don't know if they get swept or not, but I think the goal should be playoffs. And I don't know if there's like, there's not urgency to rush him back, but there's a sense of urgency because I don't see Ron Baker, you know, really manning the bench role as well as, you know, guys prior were doing like Doug McDermott was playing predominantly a bench role. Now he's going to get a bigger role these next, what, maybe week or so till Timmy comes back. Now, how is he going to handle that increased workload? Although he's been more than capable this season. So I'm skeptical, especially when a lot of minutes are going to Beasley, who has been pretty damn good the last week, dare I say. And that I say that fearfully because I don't know that, now I feel like now is going to be the the regression part. Like Beasley's not good consistently. He gave us the good part, and now the bad is inevitably going to come. So he's got to come back soon. We just got an update on the injury to Kristaps Porzingis. What's going on with the knee? Um, there was a one play uh, when I was in the, when I actually made the pass out to the to the corner to Courtney, and he hit the three. Um, felt my knee just kind of. You know, uh, buckle maybe a little bit, you know, and I felt a little pain there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know, it's more just being cautious. You know, I had a little sharp pain there, and um, and uh, and that's it. And now I, I honestly don't have no more information what what is going on there, but um, it shouldn't be. Hopefully, it's not too serious. So MBD sounds like yeah, I don't. I don't really think it's a big deal. I just think it was a precautionary thing. Like, say, I don't want to, like, make it seem like I'm trying to shit on the Nets to shit on the Nets, but it's a game against the Nets on the road in the middle of December. 
you know, there's a lot of season left. If for any reason, if he felt his knee buckle, if it felt as a guy with various many knee injuries, like if you just feel something tweak, you just want to get the hell out of there and just sit down for a few minutes and reevaluate the situation. And he, for big guys, I'm only five eight, so for a guy who's seven three and is built sort of as lanky and awkwardly as KP is, I can't imagine what his joints must feel like having to do basketball movements. So I would imagine being that size, you feel something buckle, you just want to play it safe. So I don't really think it's much of a big deal. Maybe he's day-to-day. That's my guess, especially from the way he sounded. So, Yep, well, we'll see. We'll see if there's an update. You know, if he... Do we, who are they playing next? Um, let's, we really should research the show. No, they're uh, playing Oklahoma City next on Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the next game. Mello comes home. Yep. Uh, so I don't see him sitting out that game. I mean, I sure hope not. Unless, because... unless it's really hurting him tomorrow. Uh, I don't, I don't see him sitting out that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, tomorrow they're just going to check for swelling. If there's not a lot of swelling... There would have to be a lot of swelling for him to sit out. I think you just check it out for the next two days. If anything, he doesn't. I don't know if they practice tomorrow, but he probably won't practice just as a precautionary measure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see him really missing that game. I, I, I don't. This is that. I don't know. That's just like a prime matchup. I really that would really suck to kind of mail that game in because yeah. the thunder. The thing too is. The Thunder are, let's not pretend that the Thunder are a bad team. They're actually a top defensive team. They have their, uh, you know, they have their woes on offense. They're not meshing right now. But they can still beat the hell out of you defensively. So to to miss a potential good game like that would, would kind of sting as a fan. I don't know what would happen, but I would like to see both teams at somewhat full strength, you know. Yeah, I mean, I am, I'm right there with you. Um yeah, especially because like I want, I want the last couple of years of Melo's career. Like I want every game he plays against KP to be fun. Like they had a good relationship here in New York. It, they don't need to. Sure yeah, they don't need to have any kind of crazy rivalry or something like that. I just think it. You know, I, I those games are going to be they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and even if they did, have, I mean, the rivalry would be fun. It would just be a fun. Back and forth, you know, like think, think, you know, like uh, LeBron and Wade when they weren't playing with each other, you know, like like those kinds of like fun. You're just friends. You're playing against each other. It's a good time. You want to yeah. beat your boy, you yeah. know, that that's how I would view it. That's how I think they view it. And I'd like to see that. And, and you know, this game means a lot to Melo. And I, I think you're going to get you would hope you would get his best. And I know he's had his shooting woes. I just hope he. I hope the same thing that I hope for lots of guys that I like. I hope Melo has a real, real good game at the Garden. You know, he hasn't had a lot of good games this year. I hope he has a real good game. And I hope the Thunder lose. That's it. I hope he has a nice, nice game to remind everybody. And then they take the L and go home. So I'm just taking a look at uh, standings right now. And the Knicks and the Thunder both are in the eighth seed of their conferences. Uh, and it's just it just blows my mind because I I had to like see it to truly believe it. But the Knicks at this point in the season have a better record than the Oklahoma City Thunder with Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George. It's mm. it's a mind blowing thought. 
Yeah, you know, um, I saw Matt Moore tweet this the other day. You know, HP Basketball, mm-hmm. and he tweeted, he tweeted, um, you know, everybody was panicking after they lost a, a game earlier this week, and he's just like, "Yes, guys, like they're in ninth place, but at the same time, they're still a top defensive team, and also at the same time, they're only two and a half games out of fourth place mm-hmm. in the West. Like, they're also yes. nine and four at home. Like, they, they just got to pull it together on the road a little bit." There's there's just a lot that people because this is especially in basketball Twitter the little bubble that we're in this is what we love to do is we love, we love to overreact we love to get annoyed I mean they're technically in eighth place now but you know it's we love to get annoyed about shit but yeah I mean technically the Wolves are seventeen and twelve mm-hmm. and the Thunder are three games back at thirteen and fourteen right now of the Wolves for fourth place they're a game back from Portland and New Orleans in the six and seven spots. And they're a game and a half back of the Nuggets in fifth. And the Nuggets don't have Millsap anymore. So who knows what's going to happen there? Because we know Jokic can't carry a team. So they're really, they're really not far off. I don't, at worst case, what's worst case scenario? What are they going to be a six seed? I mean, yeah, Yeah, they could. They, I mean, like if they, if they show like if they don't really have like any kind of sign of consistency by you know Christmas, they could end up falling a little bit lower. But yeah, you know, there's not too many teams that they could really fall. Like they're not gonna fall below the Lakers or the Clippers, you know. Like honestly, if if honestly, if the Jazz can pull off some kind of like crazy miraculous like you know, uh, you know, come back to the rest of their season and can you know just pull together some of that that uh, Quinn Snyder magic, then they're good to go. But if it's but I don't really see them being better than the Thunder. I don't see the Pelicans staying better than the Thunder. And I don't even see, I don't really see the Nuggets even being all that much better than the Thunder, you know? like Well, well the Nuggets, the Nuggets sure are not better than the right. Thunder. Right, like let's, they're, let's like they're 15 and 13. They're not going to stick around up there. Uh, the Blazers will probably lose some ground a little bit. They, they'll probably stick around this range, but I don't really, uh, I don't see them moving up anywhere from here. I don't know, yeah. but at the same time, when does it have to give? At the same time, like, when do the Nuggets make the playoffs again? When do the Pelicans finally make the playoffs again? When do the Wolves make the playoffs again? Like, No, I mean, no the Wolves are definitely going to be. The Wolves are going right, to be. Right, of in, course. I, it, it's I, just I, these I, are the things, like, you know, in order for these teams to move forward, the other teams have to give. It's just the way that it works. So, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, in the West, I, I don't see the Blazers are going to be in, the Wolves will be in. Uh, the Thunder will be in, and then I think it's some semblance of Nuggets, Pelicans, Jazz fighting for the last mm. couple of spots. That that's just how I see it right yeah. now. But that, um, I mean, that's what it looks like. But I, I if if the Pelicans can swing like a some kind of crazy deal to you know get some shooting on the wing or you know a capable point guard other than Drew Holiday, then I think they're I think they're about all set. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want to know what the craziest number on this board is, though? What? Uh, Chicago Bulls are in a four-game winning streak. That's the uh, Nikola Mirotic effect. Seven and twenty. Four and zero since he came back, baby. Yeah. Three and zero since I added uh, Bobby Portis to my fantasy team. So. Mm. Portis uh, and Mirotic. That's a mean one-two punch joke that I stole from. Chicago Sports Network, but two and out since I've been to the United Center to watch a Bulls mm. game. So mm. we'll have to see if these trends continue. Um, 
so the last thing to touch on for tonight is I've been this is kind of a weird topic that I've been seeing pop up around lately, but you know, it's almost at a point with KP and how he's been improving this season where the Knicks fans are being the realistic ones in these situations. And it seems like the rest of the NBA fan base is overreacting. I've been seeing KP show up in a lot of like most improved teams and like people's most improved player votes. And, you know, especially the conversation that's been added this season is, is he actually better than towns? Um, and, and that's, you know, way, way, way too early to decide for either one of them. But it's, I feel like as Knicks fans, you know, KP had the 30 point scoring barrage and then calmed down for a bit. And we're all just like, yeah, you know, he's taking a big step forward and this is like what he's going to be this season, but he still has a lot of lumps to him. And the rest of the team is like, the rest of the league's fans is just like, KP is unstoppable. I don't know what, what's going on here. Are, are we actually being the rational fan base for, for once in our uh, existence? You know, I, I think it's just the new the new thing with NBA Twitter the last couple of years is um, getting excited about random upcoming big men in the league. You know, Jokic was the hot thing in the summertime. Um, you know, I remember those horrid, foolish debates that he was better than Chris Epps, but that's neither here nor there. Um you know, Cat in his first year, Carl Anthony Towns, he was the guy his first season. Um, a lot of Miles Turner talk because he's awesome. And he was a little bit undervalued because of those three guys. So, you know, people paid a little bit more attention to him. So I just think it's there's this appreciation. Of, and, of course, Joel Embiid. How could I forget? So there's this, like, appreciation for just random, you know, not random, but other teams' bigs that can – do many things, many amazing things. Like, for example, Philly, the Sixers, they're in our division. But I don't really hold any ill will towards Philly because I very much enjoy watching Joel Embiid play. I very much enjoy, you know, looking forward to the next 5, 10, however many years those guys stay on their respective teams right now, KP and uh, Embiid playing against each other. So... There's just sort of this air of like an enjoyable, you just want to see those guys play well. This is something we, we've never seen bigs that run the floor quite like this. You know, we've seen a guy here or there, generation to generation. We have so many at one time that are doing all these things that I think there's just an appreciation for that kind of player in today's day and age. So I think to answer your question, Knicks fans have been sort of trained to be like doom and gloom. And well, we do enjoy KP, but. Who knows when he leaves us to go to L.A. next year? Like, there's always, like, this built-in, like, uh, well, he's got a long way to go before he could be an all-star level player. Like, and uh, I don't know if I want to be that guy who says, uh, you know, the the Knicks get handled, treated differently in the media than other teams. But to some respect, yeah, there are sometimes, sometimes excessive, excessively negative tweets or, or things said about the Knicks. So, you know, I think fans just kind of get used to being like, okay, well, let's just not get too excited. Let's just hold our horses. Let's just see what happens once Melo leaves. Let's just see what happens with this big workload. Let's just see if he can stay healthy. And there's always just the let's just see if that gets added on. So, I, I don't know. I, I just think we're sort of trained to be 
ready for the next upset. And I think the rest of the NBA's fans, I think NBA Twitter, they just they don't have that. They just want to see KP play well. Sorry, I was on mute there. Yeah, I uh, know. I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of with you right then. And there, it's like KP is finally the next player that the rest of the league um, like can enjoy. Melo was kind of that for a second, but then I, everyone's opinion kind of flamed out on him, and then he became overrated, and then he got the contract, and then he was, uh, yeah, and then he was just looking looking real bad in people's eyes, and then the Phil Jackson stuff happened, and I don't think we need to really relay the uh, the saga of Melo, but you know, KP is finally like a fun star that people can enjoy. You know, he's got an awesome personality. Um, he's you know, seems great for the locker room. He's great on the court. And he's finally starting to actualize into what everyone was hoping that he could become. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just nice. It, it is really nice to see the, uh, see the rest of the league kind of like, you know, build, you know, build their opinions around KP around the opinions that we've been having around him the whole time. It's kind of nice to feel like we are right for once at the same time as Knicks fans, we are still getting zero respect. Yeah, but finally there's a little bit of validation, which is right, nice. It's, right, exactly. It, it, and, I mean, I know he's been dinged up a little bit, but it's, and, and, you know, knock on wood here about this this latest thing that it's just like a little bit of swelling, but it's nice that we finally have nice things. It's it's nice that KP is a, a legit, you know, on his way superstar. You know, he's yeah. he, he's really on his way. And the other thing, too, is, Another thing that I've been trying to sneak in and needle people on for a while now is Tim Hardaway Jr. has been pretty damn good, too. So not only do we have KP, but the laughing stock of the summer, too, was uh, Timmy getting that big contract. And now there's not a peep about it. Knicks yep. are 15 and 13. They're technically in the eighth spot. Last couple games, they haven't even had uh, Timmy. And they're in the eighth spot. They're tied with Detroit and Washington right now for the six and seven spot in terms of win percentage. So yes, that's, that's enjoyable. I, I want to keep enjoying, you know, KP playing at this level. And, and yeah, it, it's just nice that like for once, you know, you know, I know Matt, uh, our, one of our editors was talking about this as well, that the Timmy contract wasn't that bad. And he was tooting that horn all through the preseason and, and up to the beginning of the season. Nobody wanted to hear him out, and yeah, like now it's not that bad. That's kind of a good value for a guy who's given you eighteen, like five and four. So it it is just nice that for once, for once, yeah. there's no there's no for Derrick once. Rose super team bullshit. It's just for once we're just like, hey, here's some reasonable things that we think are gonna happen, and then the reasonable things happen. It's just a good feeling for once. For once, and I think since we're feeling good. Why don't we just leave it right then and there? Um, plugs. Let's do some plugs. We have the meetup coming up on December 30th, just a couple of weeks ago. Stoked, yep, at, stoked to see you, buddy. Yep, going to see you. Um, at Smithfield Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, going to pull the address up again because I always forget it. But at Smithfield Hall, it's December 30th. It is at 7 p.m. So this is not a New Year's Eve nope. get-together at all. This is just us getting together the day before that to watch a Knicks game and just do watch what we got to do. Watch the Pelicans, yep. Yep, so uh, it's at 138 West 25th Street, Smithfield Hall. And, of course, that's in 
New York City. So come hang out. Uh, I got some stuff for you guys. Uh, it's going to be a merchandise giveaway. I feel like Christmas uh, all over again. Yeah, uh, just to be clear, not all of you guys are getting things because we have a budget. Yep. So some of you guys will get some stuff. I'm going to have some shirts, some mugs. We'll give you guys all hugs. Yeah, hugs. You guys hugs. can get hugs. But, you know, we'll have uh, some stickers. I'll have a bunch of stickers to get just assorted from uh, yep. Bailey Carlin's designs for the, sure. the Knicks Ball store. So we're going to have some goodies. I can't promise everybody gets something, but some people will get some things. So just come have a beer with us. We're not paying for any of your food or drinks, so bring your wallets. You're just coming in, talking. Let's just watch a game to shoot the shit together. It'll be a good time. Um, on top of that, just to continue our little plug run, Christmas is coming, mm-hmm. and that is in 11 days. Now, some of you may have made the very foolish mistake of not ordering your TKW merch. Couldn't be me. Ahead of time. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be many of us. Uh, couldn't be many of you listening, I assume. But for the couple of you that have been busy or waiting for your latest paycheck or Christmas bonus, you can still get your merchandise on time. You're going to have to pay up a little bit for shipping. Mm-hmm. But, but you can get it there. And we may have some sales coming up, too, that can kind of offset those shipping costs for you. So... Be prepared, because, again, I know Bailey's got some stuff in the works. Um, but if not, we have the Merry Christap sweater out. I know you guys got ugly Christmas sweater parties coming up. Um, we have the Kylo Quinn Christmas sweater, which I can either confirm nor deny that you may be seeing very, very soon in many, many places. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, just, just get your merch. Just get your merch. You got about a week, uh, 10 days left to really get this out there. So... Get them. Just get them. Just get the merch. It's not that hard. It's not not expensive. Just get the merch. Um, Last couple of things. The preview for tonight's game, or, you know, you'll probably be hearing this tomorrow, but the preview for the game versus the Nets is up tonight, written by uh, managing editor of the Knicks wall, Reed Goldsmith, the one and only. Um, So go ahead and check that out. What's the most recent feature that came out? Uh, Mr. Michael Corvo, my doppelganger, New York's point guards scoring in bunches as witnessed tonight. So take a look at what's new on the site. Keep an eye out. I think, uh, JB is going to be putting out some new Knicks film school videos tonight or tomorrow. So, you know, same stuff. Keep an eye out. We're doing it. Uh, keep listening. Thank you guys for listening as always. Mm hmm. Uh, I was just going to say, and for you guys uh, that noticed that JB was a little bit absent on the timeline tonight, he had some things come up, so I tried my best impersonation on the Nixwall account while making clips to give you some sort of analysis as opposed to my usual all-caps spazzing out captions. So if you wanted some semblance of analysis that was not quite Nick's film school level, but still okay and passable, go to the Nixwall account. I put out, I think I got almost every offensive possession that they had. So, have at it. Believe it or not, that guy, JB, he ain't a robot. No, he, he's got to sleep. He's got, he's, he's got to sleep. sleep. He's got, uh, he's got kids. Are you a kid? Two kids? He's got two kids. Two kids. He's got so kids. He's, been, he's like, what do you, what do you want from him? Yeah, yeah. He's he incredible. Does, yeah, that man has a full-time job, two kids, <sighs> and gives you guys these videos like pretty much every day. So, I don't. You guys just, you got to appreciate it more. I, uh, I don't understand. Ooh-wee. All right. I think that's about it. Yep. 
Um, big shout out to uh, to all of you guys for listening in. Big shout out again. I just want to say uh, thanks to the dude from Blue Shirts Breakaway for stopping in. Uh, we also were on their podcast this past Monday. Um, as well, you know, if you like them on their podcast, uh, on our podcast, or if you uh, haven't gotten the chance to listen yet, you know, go back and listen. That's an evergreen podcast. That was a great conversation. Uh, it's the last episode we posted. So a uh, good time with those dudes. Go listen to their podcast. We were on it. We talked Nicks and stuff. Um, it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Kyle, for being great. And as well. we'll talk to you all soon. All right, take it easy, buddy. Yep. Thank you.